Hello. 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 Howdy. Howdy. What's up? Uh, it's it's the last weekend of winter. I'm going to miss it. Because uh, <laughs> it's going to get... Uh, it was already a warm winter. It's just going to get hotter and, hotter, so, and hotter. So Max and I were looking at this bookie that he has. Right? He got this a good Star one Wars, The Clone Wars Character Encyclopedia. Yeah, so just a little one page about any kind of creature or character. And we came across this. It's the BD-3000 Luxury Droid. Mmm. <clears throat> Nicknamed Betty Droids, these graceful, gleaming mechanicals come in a number of bright colors. They serve wealthy owners as secretaries, butlers, and attendants on worlds such as Coruscant. Essentially, they have... Look at the t- tiny read, waist. Yeah, read the hip little note there. Special gyros aid balance sensors. Uh, yes, that is a very uh, curvy droid. It's it's a I mean it's basically a sex pot, um, with an extra like hole in the belly button. Well, you got to have you know another uh, opening, uh, another orifice. I I'm I I guess I'm pleased to see that people in the Star Wars universe occasionally have sex, apparently, <laughs> uh, or at least have needs that are fulfilled by uh, by robots. Okay. <laughs> I saw that. I'm like, whoa, wait, that's a sex droid. <laughs> that's a sex bot. I mean, there's not much reason to put memories onto a robot. No, and a um, 14 inch waist. Yeah. If that, 8 like, inch waist. Yeah, th- that waist gets like ridiculously small. <laughs> So the Betty droid. <laughs> so is there a Veronica droid? <laughs> I did not see one, but I figured the rest of that book is just garbage. But I figured you'd appreciate that page. <laughs> Why? Because you know I'm working on my own sex robot. Well, I had, I had my presumptions <laughs> of such. Uh, so I, I'm I've been very uh, fascinated by this story that just came out uh, yesterday, the Gawker versus Hogan. Oh yeah. Story. Uh, are we? I want to make sure that we're still like. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. Uh, so it it looks like, from what I understand, so so Hogan won 115 million, and that's just the the first step. There's Right, that's just the punitive. There's also mm-hmm. uh, other damages that could be coming his way, which I'm pretty sure Gawker doesn't have on hand. Uh, much less in, in Florida, where this is f- filed, in order for them to appeal, they have to put the money in escrow. Oh, really? <laughs> so I didn't know that. And I doubt they have that. So uh, wave goodbye to all your Gawk- your favorite Gawker sites, huh. your IO9s and your uh, Dead Spins and, and, and who? Jalopnik. Who really wanted to watch a Hogan sex video anyway? Uh, it, was people it, did. Wh- was it worth it though? That's the thing. Well, I'm sure that now, with no, hindsight, no, not worth it. <laughs> but it, it's a it's it's a telling bit of of uh, our current story, right? Of boundaries mm-hmm. uh, on all sorts being um, tested, and some falling. And some holding. Um, I always get 
philosophical when I think about this sort of thing because I, you know, I think about the the Trump phenomenon. I think about what it's like to be in it as opposed to looking at it from the outside as a different sort of feeling. I don't know. There's a there's a constant whine of this would be an absolute disaster, and I don't see any reason to think it wouldn't be. But there's but there's also a constant whine of this is going to end the world, and that's never happened. Right. It's always been predicted, and it's never happened. So I feel like I also feel like there's always been once you get older, you start to look down on on the stuff that's happening in culture. <laughs> And I have to fight myself constantly mm-hmm. against that. Right. Now I hear what you're saying. A couple months ago, I thought that a Trump president would be disastrous. Mm-hmm. Now I'm pretty indifferent to it. I um, I would probably vote for Kasich if he was running in the general election. I think that would... I mean, over Hillary or Bernie. Yeah, I... I, I I don't think I would. I would, but I can certainly understand the argument. It's kind of like what Louis C.K. said, right? Where, you know, balance is a good thing, you know. And, you know, if you're, you know, let the other team have their four or eight years type thing. And if you have someone who's sane, reasonable, mm-hmm. and conservative, I don't have a problem with, like, exactly, you know, what Louis C.K. said in his write-up, where, where balance is a good thing, you know, let both sides have control for a while. Oh, absolutely. It's important to have uh, a strong party. It's important to have a strong opposition because otherwise you're steamrolling things and that's not, that's not good. Mm-hmm. Even though you think it's good while, you know, while you're in control, it's not good overall because you want to keep things... You don't want to keep things... In the equilibrium, equilibrium doesn't mean that things stay the same. It means that things are balanced. Mm-hmm. So uh, you want to keep things in, in mostly equilibrium. So so it's constantly sort of jiggling back and forth, as opposed to uh, it's all all that shoved to one side of the equation. Right. The I'm, I'm, you know, like I said, I'm more indifferent on the idea of Trump as president. I I guess I have some confidence that after the primaries, he's going to move to the center quite a bit and then you know we all know when you get elected president you can't do shit anyway right I well <laughs> it, there, there's a lot change. of shit you can do uh there is that yeah. um there's a lot of uh presidential sort of executive orders yeah you can do but how much maybe maybe he's a nightmare but yeah, I don't know. Now I'm thinking like it will be a nightmare again. I don't know. It's it's difficult to to see. I I still think that something is going to prevent him from from becoming the the Republican nominee. Uh, but I've been wrong before. I don't know. I can't I, I can't predict it. I can say that if if he were running for president. Before all that violent stuff happened, I thought he would have won. Now, I'd, I think there's less... I think that that has dampened some enthusiasm. Yeah. Pro, I mean... Yeah, you could definitely... See, I mean, he has so many markets where he doesn't... Not markets, but demographics where he doesn't do well. Mm-hmm. All women, practically. Yeah. All minorities. 
So are there enough angry white men out there to vote for Trump in, vote Trump in? If they all vote, then probably, but that's not, that hasn't historically been uh, the case. Right. So, yeah, I don't... <laughs> I don't know that there's there's some ceiling that Trump has that he hasn't reached yet, but that's probably not as large a percentage of the population as as we fear. Probably, right? But I mean, it's still like many, many, many months away. So, so I guess Kasich is like hoping that now that he proves that he could win a state that. He might be able to swing a couple other states, or I think the the general idea is that Kasich wants to stay in the race because if you go to you want to get to a contested convention, uh, and then you want to still be a viable candidate in the race, not someone who has dropped out of the race at that point to be one of these selectable okay. options, uh, and showing that you can at least win a state uh, gives you some saying of I, I'm at least electable and certainly your own state uh, and Ohio right. was a big uh, people that know me vote, voted for me mm-hmm. I mean you know Marco Rubio did not win Florida that that kind of ended his thing gotcha it's uh... <laughs> I mean the option for the GOP though is is either you put in there a uh, a, a wackadoodle um, uh, wacky little P.T. Barnum person or you put in there a uh, a fringe preacher who no one likes who's your parents for? I have no idea you haven't talked to probably too, about this. too, too infuriating God, I, <laughs> prob- my, my, my mother is almost certainly for Trump I don't know what my father is okay I don't know if my mother would would admit being for Trump, but she's the kind of person who would buy into that. Gotcha. They they also I mean they're the kind of people who watch Fox News and don't won't watch anything else, mm-hmm. and uh, like laugh at the idea of looking at like other sources just to see what they're saying. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. Um. That's part of why I have this attitude towards it of like, I can't be, I, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to shut myself off to do everything. Uh, I'm, I'm open to things. Uh, I'm open to, to arguments. I will, you know, and I, I read, I do go to these ridiculous sites and I look at them and normally I simply will poo-poo them. Occasionally there will be a good argument or two in there. Uh, which makes sense from my perspective. There should only it should be occasional, right? Um, but over time, if I get enough of those arguments, and maybe I'll change my mind about things. But right now, I haven't. Right. So, how was your week? Very, very busy. With the uh, we talked about the person who left the company mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. You know, many of us, like I said, he'd probably did like three or four persons worth of work. So. Where uh, I've been very busy scrambling. keeping up. Yeah, lots of scrambling. Lots of not doing the work that I did a month ago and mm. doing all new work now. And the work I've been used to do is on the shelf right now. So that's going to catch up with me sooner or later. Wow. Well, 
Uh, are you looking into hiring somebody? They are looking into hiring, but not enough people to replace all the, you know, uh, quantity units of work loss type mm. thing, right? So, like I said, it's, it's going to be interesting. Um, most of the week was fine. The last two days were pretty hellish. Just trying to figure things out that we weren't privy to before. This person kept a lot of stuff very close to the vest. Oh, that's bad. They kind of built everything. He was like the first ITQA person. Mm. Um, so, yeah, just trying to, to learn everything now that you know he's not here to keep you from learning it type thing. So. Did he bother to document things? Oh, yeah. It's not like he left with no documentation. He tried at the end. Okay. But, I mean, like, there's this one process that clearly an IT process and it would occasionally get wedged up and need um, coaxed back into working and for the almost six years I was there when he was there you know I used to try to ask him how do I fix this and he was like I'll take care of it you know and after several years of that I'm like okay he's never going to tell me how to fix yeah. this you know he never did tell me how to fix it hasn't it it, it it's not as he improved it a couple of years ago that it doesn't need coaxing uh-huh. almost never anymore. So, um, but yeah, the time that it doesn't work, it's going to be another learning experience. Another problem I noticed, I don't know if he's, if, if this is the same, but like I noticed this from certain, from some it people, uh, they tend to not be the best at communicating. Uh, their emails are kind of terse and not, not well written so it's hard to not to kind of read in because they're just putting just the ba- just the facts man essentially uh and you sort of have to read into any any nuance there and so that can be hard sometimes with with it guys pure it yeah i mean no he managed qa i mean he communicated a lot he gave you know before i started he ran it and qa and you know i got most everything it should have gotten but there's a few things that you know, he kept for himself. And, uh, you know, after a while, it's like, well, I'm already busy enough. I'm not going to worry about the stuff that he's mm-hmm. hoarding because I don't he's going to be here forever. I don't have time to do it anyway, right? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, then he leaves. So, you know, we're, we're all adjusting. Comes and goes. Like, I'm like, like the first week was like, um, I'm going to shoot myself. The second week was like, okay, not that bad. And then, like, last week was, oh, last week, not not this past week, but the previous week, uh, there's two of us in IT, right? Me and Justin. Well, Justin was out sick all week. Like, he spent the weekend in the hospital type sick. So, wow. like, I'm here. I got this extra workload. And I'm doing all the IT work, right? And, you know, all the stuff Justin normally does, too. So, that was, that was a rough one as well. So... Well, sorry to hear that uh, things are not super awesome at work, but hopefully they'll improve. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Here's a thought that I had. Do you want to play my tweets thing? Can you? Um, No, not not this week. I'll have to put it up. (laughs) So you have to make a soundboard or something so so you can play it. A tweet I had last night. Marvel has better superheroes and DC has better villains. I'm not sure I'm qualified to really talk about this. But well, think about it. What villains? Do I don't know who's. I mean, I guess I know who's what. Um, 
almost everything I know is Marvel. I don't think I know who DC is. I think you do. Like, the biggest villains, the two biggest villains that I know of from DC are the Joker. Oh, okay. A great villain. Lex Luthor, right? I mean... Okay. Great villains. Do you know any villains, really, from the from Marvel? You can name the superheroes. Right. Um... Remember what the last Avengers one was? <laughs> no, because I never watched the last Avengers one. Um, so I mean, Spider Man's like Doc Ock and yeah. and the Green Goblin and stuff from Spider Man. Those aren't great villains. They're no, they're, they're Bush great. League. Yeah, they're not. They're not Jokers, right? I mean, the Joker yeah. is a fantastic character. Lex Luthor is a is a great a great <laughs> villain character. Uh. Yeah, I guess Marvel you're... has Thanos. <laughs> Maybe he'll be Thanos. Might be big in the next one, right? I mean, but the thing is, like, the Marvel superheroes themselves are more complicated than the DC heroes. Okay. DC heroes are, are, are very much, you know, like Superman is simply <laughs> right. Uh, that makes sense. I mean, to some degree, Marvel's the, their uh, the character is. You know, their conflict, you know, so internal conflicts are, you know, kind of the same thing as a complicated era, a complex, you know, villain. Yeah. It, it's, it's the bad or, or the, or the one note characters that, that really need the impressive villains in multidimensional superheroes don't necessarily need impressive villains, although it definitely works out in the favor in their favor when they can do that. Like Loki has been the only um Marvel villain to have any like staying power in the movies mm-hmm. at least. I guess. Uh, like I said, I, All right. I don't think I know the subject well enough to have a geeky conversation Did about it. Did you see the the latest Civil War trailer? No. No, oh, you should. It, it it's like cuz you you watch the Bat- Did you see the Batman vs Superman uh, one? Uh, well, I've seen... So I saw the ones that were playing during Star Wars. Is that the latest? There's a Civil War one in there. Does it have uh, Spidey in it? I don't think so. Yeah. There's a there's a Spider-Man scene. Okay. So it's like, oh, finally, they, they're bringing this guy in. <laughs> they made a deal with Sony. Okay. Um, but, like, the Batman and Superman, to me, looks like a, a, a fucking mess. And Civil War looks like it'll be fun and interesting. So, but it, and it's the same plot, right? I mean, two mm-hmm. superheroes essentially fight against each other. It's bad. It's Captain America versus Iron Man instead of Superman versus Batman. But right, basically the same, the, the same like, the same germ of an idea. Right. And uh, and you can see that one of, one of them at least from one of them looks like this dour mess that is just going to be. Uh, like the like Nolan movies with without any any bit of charm or skill, <laughs> and the Marvel movies look like it's going to be you know typical Marvel you know not exactly uh, art but fun kinetic movies that that will keep you you know eating your popcorn. Right. Which one would you rather see? I'd rather see the one with Iron Man in it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's see what else. We have uh, Josh Hanlon was a, was uh, recently in Pittsburgh. You saw the tweet. 
says, from Austin, listen to your show often, have a family in Pittsburgh, what should I have them bring me back? Yeah, so his yeah. parents were visiting him or something. Yeah, yeah, I replied to him. Okay, cool. I basically said the easy answer is as much fatheads as they can carry. <laughs> you know, because it's everywhere. They'll be able to go to any grocery store or beer store and find fatheads. This is, it's fatheads not available in Austin? No. No. Where, you know, I could, sure, I could give him some really good Pittsburgh breweries. But, I mean, what are the odds that his parents are going to go to Braddock to go get some brew gentlemen? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. that kind of thing. So yeah. I just gave the easy answer and said, you know, just easy instructions for your family, as much fat heads as they can carry. Makes sense. I, I said, you know, the, things, the first thing that came to mind was the East End and uh, and Church Brew Works, but uh, I did say you probably knew the, the local right. city more than I did. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, like I said, I... I Figured what was easy for the people procuring the beverages. All right, so let's talk about Pie Day. Pie Day, Pie Day. <laughs> it's going to be Pie Day. I, you know, it, 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 it struck me as, as very much similar to uh, May the 4th, right? Star Wars yeah. Day. Yeah. And so it's like, I can, I can only just get behind Pie Day more because it's based on something more than... A, a, a silly, um, silly franchise, but not much more than that. Really, it's it, it happens to to resemble uh, a number that we use, and that's it. Numerology, man. What's interesting is I I saw a video on this that made a good point. So last year was like the the supposedly a true Pi Day, right? Because it was oh. three point one four one five. Right, it's three fourteen one five. But then you could go into the hours, minutes, and seconds too. Sure, but let me let me make this argument that I thought was a good argument. So this day is three point is three one four one six, right? Right. So if you round up, if you round up, this is actually the more accurate number. Oh, but they were counting nine a.m. nine. Well, they were saying that it was the pure day. Nine fifty, whatever. Two six nine twenty six. Uh, I think that's right. One one five nine two six. I believe. Anyway, but one so one five nine means that it's closer to to one five six than it is to one five. Mm-hmm. Sure. So this is so this was the more you should have you should have went ape shit and like. Argued that this was the real Pi Day. Well, somebody already made the point, and I wasn't going to... I mean, it was by heart, and and she does math videos way better than I can do any math explanation, so I'll let her have that. But, um, let's see. That article about primes was interesting. Yeah, that is interesting, because it's... So, that was uh, something you sent me, uh, and I I saw saw some tweets about it beforehand, because following some physicists. Okay. Uh, But... It looks like, according to what these guys are saying, that there's more that the distribution of of prime numbers isn't as random as we thought, at least in base yeah. ten. Adjacent prime numbers are less likely to also have the same final digit as the previous one. And it's actually certain digits statistically are more likely to follow. Not a lot. Like yeah. the a repeating final digit of prime number is least likely. But, like, if it ends in a one, then I think, like, a seven or a five have the lowest probability of being the next one instead of a three or right. a nine. 
or a one. And I was thinking of uh, I was thinking of this question. I saw it answered by <clears throat> somewhere where so where someone said, "Is this only in base set?" And they said, "Well, yes." And that's kind of it, it's it's question whether this goes through another basis because the primes are interesting because they are. Uh, it doesn't matter what base they're in; they're still going to be prime. I this particular the, thing with the digits happens to be base ten, but we're not—they're not, they're not they're, sure if, if the analysis. I, I thought the article mentioned that maybe it wasn't bases. The bottom part, bottom third of the article, he talked about something related to that. Did you see that? I have to take I have to take another look. I, I thought they proved that it carried through. They might not have been talking about like they're talking about base six or something like that, or base. They ran it through base six, I think, and uh-huh. it, it, it's I, still. I, I, let's find that article. <laughs> I, yeah, you said it was a good article. That's right. You said it was a good article for Friday. I said that's a good article for any day. Right, right. It was just my hook for yeah. because it came out on Friday. All right, so look at the nature article. They've checked prime up to a few trillion. I think they would have to invoke the K-tuple conjecture to show the pattern persists. Uh, I have no idea he could possibly formulate the right conjecture without assuming it. Okay, so here it says, um, it's the bo- two, two paragraphs above mystifying phenomenon, right there uh, beside the blue picture. Uh, at first glance, in multiple... Uh, so they divided all primes by six... Yeah, that's that's not bases. They're still okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so so yeah, so th- this is only based on. But if if it follows, if it's if it's actually something, then it's very. It has potentially a very interesting effect because it does show that there is. Then that a ran, that it's not a strictly random process where primes fall, and that means that there is some algorithm you could come to to compute primes, and once you have that. Well, you've just overturned a lot of mathematics, or at least you've you've come up with a way to do things that people never thought was possible before. Right. It doesn't. It doesn't lead directly to um, prime number encryption being broken because this doesn't seem to directly lead to factoring primes. Right. But yeah, it does lead to finding more. You know, if you can find more primes without having to do the brute force work that they do. You know, because, I mean, when you're hunting for primes today, you're working on numbers that have hundreds of digits. Yeah. If not... and, and the thing is, though, if you find something like that, then who knows what applications it could have in a right. number theory. It, it might lead to factoring. Yeah. If you understand primes to that degree, I wouldn't say that there's absolutely no, you know, a mathematician would have to tell you this. But, yeah. you know, you could definitely imagine that there's an opening for, you know, once you learn that part of number theory that factoring primes could follow. It, it feels like once you can get basically a list of prime numbers... Well, you already uh, have a list of You already have a numbers. list, but I mean, once you can... Algorithmically yeah. gain a list instead of brute force gaining a list, right. then it seems like you might be a step closer to algorithmically factoring primes as well. Mm-hmm. Sounds like. I mean, it's interesting because, you know, mathematics is... You know, I talked about this before, but it's it's something that we've invented, right? It, it's a... Uh, it, it's... It reflects reality to a certain extent. To a certain extent, it doesn't. But um, it's it's something we invented, and and what we've found is that all of these things that we invent that we come up with are necessarily incomplete in certain because we're 
we, we're studying them from being inside them and we can't see outside the whole picture. So there is in, so you can say that math is the language of the universe. I don't believe that necessarily, but you could say that, but there's some way in which this whole thing either is a house of cards can be looked at as math can be looked at as some sort of house of cards. We built on these mm-hmm. axioms. And if you break those axioms, it will fall down or that there is therefore a way to completely solve math uh, so you could you could have everything that is solvable be solved and then just the things that aren't solvable be some new thing that comes around some new kind of calculation tool mm-hmm. that we have no idea right. how, what the how to work it right also so i've been ever since we talked about the really big numbers you know that, yeah I, I've, the tree the, the tree, tree three and yeah. stuff like that but I mean, just arrow notation, you know, something that a human can still understand, like arrow notation. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been thinking about that, not a lot, but, you know, it's it, something, it, it, there's a nugget that got planted, right? I, I find it really fascinating, these absurdly large numbers, numbers that represent things so vastly bigger than the universe. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's just interesting. It's 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 almost like... I don't know what the word I want to use, but it, it's it's inventive. It's divine in a way because you know. Well, yeah, you're peering into the unknown. It, it is yeah. it is as um, as profound as something could possibly be. It is the unknown for sure. It is something that that cannot be comprehended. Mm-hmm. So there's there are two ways I think to to to, to appreciate those. One is to just dive in with both feet and not care. And the other way is to very securely hold yourself to a wall and you know, inch forward and, and, over the edge. And, and, and study that. And I think mm-hmm. that those two are representative of how you can go about uh, any topic. Right? You can either make it a, a part of you and make it a part of your identity uh, and this is typically where something like faith comes in, and not necessarily saying that this is, this is just how religion works. I think it involves all types of things: beer, your team that you like, mm-hmm. uh, all, all types of things. But there is the the very scientific method of let's tether ourselves to what we know, and we'll explore this, but we'll keep this tethered tight. Right. And so I feel like there is. It's it's always fun to look at those things and it's always fun to speculate, but I try not to I try not to take heed at what the people who are really delving into it are saying uh, so much as what they're they're uh what they're expressing. Like I mean it, it's like it, go, it always goes back to string theory with this sort of thing for me because there are incredibly smart people working, incredibly perceptive people working on this thing, but they are lost in a wilderness. Clearly. Mm-hmm. And they don't know what, which, which way to go, and they have convinced themselves that, because they have dived in with both feet into this deep pit uh, of these numbers that are this huge. I mean, the so-called string landscape, the low number, the 10 to the 500 possible configurations of this <laughs> and that is that doesn't tell you anything 
Well, it's at least a number you can write out, you know? It, it's at least a number that, that you can, there's some representation of. Yeah. I mean, you could even write that one out. That one's possible to write out. No, I don't think it no? is. 10 to the 500? No. Okay. I don't think you could. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know any way you could write that out. Okay. I could be wrong. I just seemed. Because right, you can't, well, you can write out, I guess you could write out, because you can write out a Google, right? It's just, mm-hmm. yeah, so, you, okay, never mind. You can write it out, right? You just 500 zeros. Right. But. Yeah, where, where you know, yeah. these other numbers are numbers yeah. you can't write out because it's not uh, the zillion zeros. It's, it's so much bigger than that, yeah. you know, so. That there aren't. That many z- there aren't that many places to put zeros. It's not a decillion decillion zeros. Yeah, you know, it's ten to the ten to the ten to the ten. To the ten. <laughs> Just keeps going and it's, like, it's these towers of something. yeah. The towers were. I mean, that, like I said, I don't understand much beyond some of the simplest. You know, mm-hmm. I understand the concept of arrow notation. Uh, when you get into three or four arrows, it gets really hairy. Yeah, <laughs> because the- like the number after the first arrow is unconceivable. Mm-hmm. And then you're you're just multiplying it, or time, you know, um, to the tower of yeah. another unconceivable number. So you're not dealing with digits anymore. You're not dealing with with numbers as as a, as a quantity. You're dealing with numbers as a sort of a as an object mm-hmm. that you're sort of twisting and turning. Uh, you're dealing with with, with a, really you're dealing with a set of numbers, uh, and that that's what Graham's number is about. There's a set of numbers between one and this number. Mm-hmm. That's the solution to the, this problem is in this set, and so you can twist this set and look at it right. like like a shape. Uh, but there is no way to represent that number in digits, right? Because there's not a named number to represent how many digits there are in yeah. that number, <laughs> right? And like I said, there's not enough space. There. I mean, mm-hmm. there's not enough. Well, that's it. Yeah, there's not enough ink in the universe. Yeah. If you turned every every piece of matter into ink, you couldn't rink in paper. You couldn't. Yeah, write it if, out. if you took every Planck space in the universe, which is you know the, the smallest that we can explain, mm-hmm. you can't fit and, and and put a digit of that number in there. Right. In the 93 billion light years that there are in the universe, there's not like not even close to enough space. Yeah, that's where it gets crazy. Yeah. So you're dealing with numbers that can't even be confined in the universe. Mm-hmm. So what are you dealing with at that point? You know, the one question I've had is, you know, they talked about like how many, if you took every atom in the universe and lined it up. My next question was, what if you took every possible order of every atom lined up in the universe? You know, then what, how big is that number? That's, that's, I haven't looked it up. I don't know if there's an easy findable answer, but basically, you know, uh, all the potential orders well, it, every it, it would be the factorial yeah. of that yeah. number, right? Yeah. So it would be something ridiculous. Yeah. Probably would be smaller than Graham's number. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just curious. <laughs> I'm just curious where it lines up, you know, because yeah. I mean that's that's the most information the universe could convey, right? If you mm-hmm. took every possible orientation of the universe. Yes. Yeah, and 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 you could say so. You, you take this. Right, it, you you take every you take every single possible say of the universe, set them all to zero, and then you can 
like and then you 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 assume every bit can be either one or zero and you just start yeah making making them ones and that then you you have the difference between a universe with zero with all zeros and universe with all ones and whatever is in between so that's every single possible state yeah uh that's a big number yeah I was just thinking atoms. I wasn't thinking, you know, strings or something like that, yeah. right? That's whatever the, the smallest fundamental piece of information is. Um, yeah, if, if if you just went with atoms, it'd be a much, much smaller number. But uh, I don't know if that, it would be, it'd probably be considerably smaller, but would it be that much smaller in comparison to, like, tree three? I yeah. think it's still probably nothing compared to tree three. It's still, it's still essentially yeah. zero. <laughs> that's funny too essentially <laughs> zero that's just, just like when you're dealing with such huge numbers mm-hmm. right like when you're dealing with infinities almost every number ends in three mm-hmm <coughs> it's true you can prove it mm-hmm. it just it works out the same for every <laughs> yeah but uh the that, that does remind me of um of something <laughs> Have you, have you given any thought to the uh, to, to the reference frame thing we talked about? No. I just thought you might have thought it was cool and had questions or something. Uh, no. Sorry. I did make a tweet sort of about that. I did see that. Yes. From their from their own perspective, all frames of reference are valid. From their own perspective. That applies to lots of things. So you have to consider that. However, there are... Especially politicians. Yes. However, what you can recognize is that there are invariants and there are transformations. So there is a way you can compare and say what is valid for more people or what is valid for more frames. Okay. So uh, the factor we use is C for, for... those reference frames I'm talking about in physics, but there are other ways you could um, you could do some sort of you have to find whatever is common between all these reference frames, right. and then you use some sort of transformation to figure out how to do that. That's not always easy, but it should always, in theory, in principle, be possible. No reference frame should be distinctly different from another one, so you can't transform them. Bernie Sanders and Ted Cruz. Transform those bitches. <laughs> okay. Uh, they they both don't want to live in a Mad Max world. Okay. There you go. <laughs> Where Trump does. <laughs> Trump would be fine with it, I think. You'd bite the heads off lizards. Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, deluging his people with water, the most wasteful way to mm-hmm. distribute water ever. <laughs> and he would definitely have a guitar dude. Flaming <laughs> guitar dude. He, he'll probably, you know, if he gets elected, he'll have that at his inauguration. He'll just. <laughs> Can we get that Mad Max truck running again? <laughs> You know, Air Force Two will be the guitar dude flying <laughs> on the front of an airplane. <laughs> Just fire blasting. 
<laughs> the front of the helicopter, or I mean, Marine One, right? The helicopter, or Air Force Two would be the vice president's mm. jet. <laughs> imagine, imagine everyone with a big T on it, like a big gold T. <laughs> Can we get this thing reskinned? Yeah. Force I, 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 I want to get wood paneling and gold faucets on everything. Trump steaks. Trump steaks, Trump at, every, steaks. Every, at every state dinner. Yeah, it, it's it's really remarkable to, to to look at everyone. You know, they they hate Barack Obama so much, and how he's like Barack Obama is being such a fundamentally decent person, is making all of these candidates look horrible. <laughs> oh my God, he couldn't have elected a more amenable Supreme Court candidate, yeah, or yeah. nominated a more amenable Supreme Court candidate. I said it, you know, in my tweet. I said it's kind of funny. Obama's best way of trolling everybody is to be just utterly sincere <laughs> and that is like his best way of just shaking him up and be like ah, gotcha <laughs> if he was replacing a liberal justice the republicans would be like fuck yeah yeah let's do this shit i saw pat toomey you know pennsylvania senator said i'd be happy to consider uh what's his name the the guy that was yeah. nominated it's nomination um if the new president put him forward and uh guy follows like Unfortunately, you won't. Be, you know, you probably won't be able to consider that nomination because you won't be in office anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what I, I I saw some yeah the, the whole Republican strategy of not voting of not voting on the Supreme Court justice until the new uh, not even considering it is like it, it's it's so blatantly politically absurd uh, that you're almost like. You're almost sort of uh, admiring the audacity of it, just being just like we're fuck you. Where's the check and balance against this bullshit? I guess. Well, that's the thing. I mean, they're the check and balance is us. Yeah, yeah. Gotta put those fuckers out. Mm -hmm. Um, and the check and balance is you know uh, the media can be considered a an extension of, of both parts of both politics mm -hmm. and the, of ourselves and, and the, the public um, trying to figure out <laughs> and merge with the culture. And it, it's all a bunch of mishmash of, of mm -hmm. things. Who knows? It's uh, if you get, if you think too much about it, you're going gonna... to, we just learned in school, right? That, you know, all three branches had checks and balances against mm -hmm. each other. Well, they they're not going to teach you all of the, yeah. <laughs> all of and the, now it's like, but yeah. Congress is able to hold up everything. You know, there is no balance against Congress being stubborn assholes, except for voting them out. Yeah, and ugh, ugh, <laughs> ugh. Let's drink some beer. All right.